Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast Feed. I'm Ken Hanson. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we are here to talk Star Wars news, breaking news from a long time ago. Plus, we'll look ahead this week in Star Wars history. A lot to get to with not even a ton of news stories, but some fun things to discuss. 
We've got a lot coming our way. We'll catch up. We'll do all the things, man. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, one of our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. It's been a long week. I was just thinking these as I'm talking, Joseph Jennifer, uh, with with Andor, plus uh, I'm deep in the rings of power, House of the Dragon, life, uh, travel, comedy. I feel as though three weeks have passed since we last got together <laughs> to talk Star Wars. News, so. I, yeah, I feel the yeah. same way when I was sitting down. I was like, wow, it's been a while. No, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. Andor, this is the first three episodes in our rearview mirror. Uh, Jen, uh, you know, there's some information. You have some stuff out there about your reactions to Andor. Uh, but I, I, how you feeling? How, this is a great week, right? You love Andor. I love it. In fact, I've rewatched it now kind of unintentionally because I have been working on some hashtag content. Um, <laughs> I, I think I've rewatched every episode like three times. Um, nice. mm-hmm. And but what's amazing is that it does not feel like I've re- like I every time I'm just really gripped by the story, the acting, uh, the visuals that I just I kind of find myself. I'm like, I don't have to watch it all, but I'm going to because I really <laughs> I really like it. No, oh, that's an interesting take on, you know, whatever yeah. that line. So what I found to be interesting this past week is. I was kind of bracing myself for impact. What are people going to say about Andor online, right? And it's been amazing because the critics have been praising it and the fans have been praising it, which is kind of unusual (laughs) (laughs) to have everyone coming together. Um, The discourse online, I feel, has been surprisingly civil. I, I, I maybe I'm missing something, but it's it's kind of cool to see everyone united for Andor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead, Justin. I, really I was just going to say, I, I, I think that the, we, we've been in these waves of kind of the uh, the new version of pop culture in the last 10, 15 years since genre stuff became really popular uh, w- with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen the waves of like the Mandalorian, that first season was untouchable, right? Everybody right. loved it. Best Star Wars ever. Now there are a lot of grumbles and comparisons. Uh, so I'm really enjoying this like just beautiful honeymoon phase of Andor. I think it deserves all of the praise, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, eventually it'll get into sort of like, yeah, the third year of marriage and maybe people still love one another, but bicker a little bit more. Um, yeah. But we'll get to that phase with Andor. So I'm just really enjoying the honeymoon. Right. I'm with you. Look, uh, we talked a little bit on our discussion, Joseph and I, just some of the conversation around it. It's hard to ignore. And sometimes I think, uh, you know, my passions definitely can get the best of me and I can get pre-defensive for things and everything. that. And, but right now I'm in that, too, of just like uh, I love all the Star Wars shows. But I have to admit, I have watched uh, these three episodes as well, Jen, a few times. And I have seen the third episode five times now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say that for uh, Kenobi, uh, Mando, or Boba Fett, which doesn't mean I don't love them with all my heart. In fact, I will stand on a hill for Boba Fett as being a very spiritual show and important in the Star Wars saga. Um, but I can't deny that this one has just pulled me back in, uh, which is part of the fun. And you know what? We're going to celebrate that, continue to celebrate uh, the joy. That's not a bad thing. And you're right, Joseph. In a couple of years, you'll see the articles. Uh, this show is better than those who uh, liked the end or stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. It's a cycle. It is the cycle. But yeah, I think one of the great things about Andor is each individual scene is really rich with uh, interesting choices from the actors, from the, the, you know, the dialogue, the turns of phrase. And it just makes it rewatching it almost kind of like in a scene by scene way, even once you know what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, 
uh, not concerned about the pacing, just the individual scenes are really rich. Yeah, and, and then I, I'm I'm not to turn this into Andrew Report 1.5, but enjoying <laughs> a lot of discussion this week that has been some people sharing, hey, this is what this scene means culturally, what it represents, mm. both mm-hmm. negative, like this is an experience um, that, uh, you know, this has been told as described as a, a migrant's tale, right? And, and just mm-hmm. very specific stuff, people breaking down the corporate security people's interaction with Andor at the be- in the opening scene about here's what, here's what it really means. This is why it hurts. This is why it's so powerful. It's shown on screen. There's those kind of things all the way down to some of the more fun things about crazy extras in the background. <laughs> uh, Jen, people are diving in, which is why I can't wait for your hashtag content as you continue to dive in more. <laughs> oh, yes. I've, I've started assembling my creature report, my aliens. <laughs> there's no creatures, but alien report, because there, mm. there have been some in the background and I'm <laughs> freeze framing those. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited by the good volume of, of fun weirdo aliens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's one that's going around in the background and I, you see him in the show, uh, but he's like, for lack of a better term, has kind of an ant face. I don't know. And he's doing, he's like hopping around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You've seen the Twitter one? There's a, yes. there's a Twitter feed that's like weird moments in Star Wars or something. I haven't followed it, but I'm just scrolling through. And it's amazing because Andor is this tremendously serious, grounded show. And in the background, there's an extra almost like being a rat he's hopping around it's amazing it, it makes me so happy it's like the the spirit of whimsy and weirdness in star wars is essential and i love the seriousness the meaning the grit of andor but i love that even in dark gritty andor he's still got an, alien, an ant guy hopping around <laughs> it's the best it's the best it's so other than that jen anything else good going on in your star wars life Absolutely nothing except my children. <laughs> my children. I heard. I woke uh, yesterday and I heard this funny cooing sound. Uh, that sounds familiar. I go downstairs and my girls are playing with two different Grogu's. The one that's more like robotic, and you can pat its head and it will move and move its arms and you know mouth and stuff like that. And then the other one, which you just squeeze, and it just it's more baby like. And so the the bigger robotic Grogu was holding the, uh, the little one. It was interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay, hmm. all right, I'll, I'll take, I'll take this star Wars interaction, but they, they actually Grogu held them entertained for like 30 minutes. So thank you, Grogu. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Joseph, you, any Grogu playing in your house? Uh, I, I saw a Grogu at target. I tweeted a picture of it that disturbed me because it's a it's a grogu uh shoulder sitter for a halloween costume uh and it and it says uh one size fits uh most adults (laughs) so i don't know like there's (laughs) there's certain shoulders that just can't contain a grogu i don't know uh but grogu is in a plastic bag it's a real friendly version of grogu like uh, smiling and waving but just wrapped in this bag in a way that just you know, triggers the like that, that child should not be in a bag. Right. <laughs> right. So it was both heartwarming and disturbing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, that was, uh, that was great. Um, I had, a, I'm having so many little Star Wars adventures because I'm continuing to um, work on going through all my action figures, uh, going through old books. Uh, I found an old book, uh, a, a box of old books that I brought home that had 
a copy of Han Solo at Star's End, which I didn't remember that I had. <laughs> so very excited to read that. And a crime novel called No Good from a Corpse uh, by screenwriter of Empire Strikes Back, uh, Lee Brackett, Lee oh, Brackett wow. uh, that I haven't read in years. So fun little Star Wars things popping up. But the biggest Star Wars adventure that I wanted to share is uh, my wife and I have been going back and forth to the Ikea in Burbank <laughs> for oh, Apartment Solutions. Trying to get around the traffic, so we're uh, taking San Fernando Boulevard, which we haven't uh, taken a lot because it's basically just for us. It's a secret route from Ikea back yeah. to Hollywood. It's not secret at all. Anyway, uh, there are all sorts of just little uh, shops there. And we passed by a shop uh, that just had a big kind of generic uh, sign that said SC Toys. And... I was driving and I, and I saw it and I, I just like made a noise. I didn't even use words. I was just like, because you don't see just plain, plain old toy stores. Yeah. <laughs> and my yeah. wonderful wife, Sarah, was like, do it, do it, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she knew the excitement. She knew what that noise meant. Uh, so uh, turned around and uh, ran in there and it, they were closing at like seven and it was like 650. And it was just like Toys R Us used to be. It's just like an old school toy store with nothing but toys. They have like bikes and model kits and dolls and action figures. And it was so great. And uh, the particular action figure I found is they had a Black Series uh, Count Dooku. And mm. I've been reading that Christopher Lee biography. I'm just on a huge Dooku kick. And it was just, it was, it was Dooku Kismet. I needed uh, that Dooku. I got him on my new desk right now and, and I picked one in the package where his eyes are kind of bulging and his head is leaning down. So Dooku is staring at me this entire podcast like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Love that. Double the toys. Twice the Dooku. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> twice the Dooku. That's my life right now. So how about you, Ken? Uh, man, it could, nothing. I, busy. Uh, good work uh, going on. Uh, um, so it's all good. Um, uh, the, the, this back injury that's plagued me, and I've said it on every show. So sorry for my whine, and it's getting better. So you know, you can't uh, you can't fight the uh, empire when you got to hurt back. Um, but I'm trying there. But I'll tell you, I, I can't say too much. Um, I, every once in a while, fandom hires me for these uh, fun little projects, and I've got one going uh, right now. Um, that is, uh, it's a it's a profile uh, on Cassie and Andor, but it's sponsored by a car company, <laughs> and it's one of those branded deals. And if you've been in the business, you know you've at some point run into a branded deal, and it's usually you know I'll be good money, but it's weird. And this is weird because they want me to profile the hero Cassie and Andor uh, rising up from his uh, you know adversity, facing challenges to change the galaxy just like blankety blank car. And <laughs> I've been spending the entire weekend trying to figure out how to pull that off. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Rounds of notes are coming, but uh, it's, and I, I, I wrote my contact and I said, but have they seen the Andor series? I don't think he's worried about this car. I don't think this is what he's here about. Yeah. What are you going to do? So yeah. Anyways, it's been kind of fun uh, trying to, which, you know, mirrors, if you want to get deep mirrors that, Star Wars thing, right? We talk about a lot here. Joseph, you've always said so wonderfully. Uh, Lucas started this company for profit, for profit. Yep. So it's always been this uh, wonderful, powerful, inspirational saga full of stories and lessons, all priced to go. And it's just where we are. And you got two Grogu's in the living room. That's what you need. That is so great because, you know, for those first three episodes of Andor, to me, like the main image of a car would be 
This'd be a great car for Cassian Andor and Luthen Rail to use as a distraction for Corpos <laughs> to shoot at in the street. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Are you fighting oppression and getting this smooth car? Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I don't want to talk uh, too bad about it because it's uh, it's a bit of a fun project. But yes, uh, yeah, check it all out. The, the 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 tension of Star Wars is always present. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're going to get to some Star Wars news right now. We've got uh, this first story here, and and headlines everywhere read uh, kind of the same. James Earl Jones officially retires from voicing Darth Vader, signing over his rights to respeecher. But then you go to the actual source of the story. Go follow the sources. Go to the beginning. Vanity Fair, the Brez, Anthony Brezican had this article about it. And really, the story is not so much about James Earl Jones retiring, which is big. And we're going to talk about it. But it's also that the respeacher company that is uh, the company that did uh, Luke Skywalker's voice in Mando and Boba Fett, excuse me, Boba Fett, season, uh, season one there, Boba Fett. Uh, is the one that did put together uh, the voice for Vader in Kenobi. And they are U- a Ukrainian company. And this project, the Vader project, was going while the war began. Just fascinating stuff. Talk about the tension of, of Star Wars, right? Um, uh, creativity, inspiration, and the actual uh, shadow of war over you. A lot going on there. But a lot to dive in here. Starting with the, the headline, like we said, James Earl Jones now retired from voicing Darth Vader, signed over the rights to Lucasfilm to use for speecher. Uh, first to construct his Kenobi series dialogue, and we imagine possibly um, it will go on. So we're going to start there. Uh, how do we feel? How do we feel, Joseph, uh, knowing, <laughs> kind of having this confirmed, both the respeecher, but also that Jones has stood down? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the the respeecher because I think that's that's fascinating. But just thinking about James Earl Jones as a uh, you know a person, a performer, someone who has been in in a lot of our lives from uh, Vader to the old CNN announcements to endless mm. amazing performances. You know, uh, we've talked about it a decent amount as we're living through this time where the sort of original Star Wars generation is passing the torch. Uh, because of the the bittersweet reality of life, right? You know, so I, I think uh, it's a weird feeling for me when I see all these like retiring, right? Um, because yeah. Of, uh, like, yeah, obviously, I wish uh, that James Earl Jones could live forever and <laughs> yeah. and perform uh, Darth Vader forever. But I think it's about like you know, I think when I see the retire headlines. There's something about like I, I want I want that conversation to go a little bit deeper, right? Because it mm-hmm. isn't like a ah he gave up this job should he or shouldn't he, right? Right. He's 91. It, it, mm-hmm. It's inevitable, right? That the mm-hmm. torch is going to be passed. So to me, the question becomes, how does the torch get passed? And I think that's what I think about w- with James Earl Jones with being mm-hmm. able to be at a place in life to decide how this is handled. To say, here's how I feel about the legacy. Hmm. I want to understand what this technology is. I want to give it my blessing. And while I am still able, I want to control how I pass the torch. And I think that's the thing to me that's meaningful, interesting, you know, beautiful. Because in in life, we don't always get to uh, smoothly choose how we hand over elements of our, of our legacy. Right. So anytime that someone is able to say, I, I see uh, what could be next and I get to give my input and I literally sign off on it and I control the passing of the torch. I think that's a wonderful gift. 
it's it's not something we're all guaranteed for sure. And I, no. I think you're right. I think that's very well said, and and um, that he's in a position to do so, and the reality of it, and this this Star Wars thing of of passing the baton, the generational change is is real. And you're right. We're going to talk about speech here. There's some questions around it. A lot of hot opinions about some of this stuff going forward with new technologies. And, and I agree with a lot of it and I understand a lot of it, but also the end result was very satisfying for me in this series. Um, Kenobi. Uh, so Jen, your uh, initial thoughts there on uh, James Earl Jones. Yeah, I think that's a really great point about being able to have control over your legacy. Um, and it's interesting because it felt like the reaction online and maybe it wasn't vocalized, but the feeling I felt was that people are concerned about Vader going forward. Mm. It's like, because James Earl Jones is retiring, which he should be able to at 91, um, that suddenly we're not going to get any more Vader, which, <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me, I'm losing my voice. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just, we're moving away from mm that from those characters and yes he will still be i'm sure you know sprinkled throughout but we've gotten a lot of him in recent years of the character of vader um Mm -hmm. more so than i think i ever imagined and so i think that that's also why it seems to be a little bit um complicated for for some fans uh but you know as we age our, our voices change and so if we want for him to be able to, if we want to be able to hear his voice, they're going to have to use, you know, this technology to be able to have the character appear again. But yeah, I mean, he's just, he is, he's a legend. And I loved reading that he still was kind of giving his notes Mm, on, you know, the performance, which I think is, is fantastic because it isn't just like that. He's going and reading the lines. He is acting. That is, you know, we'll get into his legacy, but that that he is just more than his powerful voice is also his performance. So, yeah, yeah, I, I took I took heart in that, and we'll talk again about speech in a second. But I took heart in knowing that um, at least there was some nod, like yes, please let us know. We're not just letting the computer spit out some dialogue. We're going to try to figure <laughs> out the best way forward with this, uh, which is, I think, again, very much that Star Wars spirit when it comes to how they make it. Uh, Let's try to figure it out. Let's do something new. Let's do something different. And that doesn't always work or people don't always take to that. But Vader being such an iconic character. Look, there's voices out there I do love. I love uh, Scott Lawrence's take on Vader. It's good. But even that, if you had said, uh, you know, look, you know, I think there there was a reality with Peter Mayhew uh, eventually stepping down and passing on um, Chewbacca, but even you hear uh, Jonas Swadema talk about it. Like Peter Mayhew had struggled with that too, right? There was mm-hmm. some like, all right, it's time, it's time. Um, so it's a big part of Star Wars. So, so I really agree with your big point, Joseph, that to have James Earl Jones be able to say, this is uh, something I'm on board for and the best way to move forward with this character. It means a lot to me as a Star Wars fan, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Jennifer's great point about the the acting choices right it isn't just this this is a person off the street who has an amazing voice this is a phenomenal performer who makes fascinating choices mm-hmm. um and i boy would i love if there is any any footage and james Earl jones wants to allow it of some of those discussions boy would i love to hear that the process oh, yeah. of like uh you know getting into the technology of like you know how much emotional tuning is you know uh, is there and James Earl Jones saying like this should be more of a soft threat this is more anger you know all those kind mm. of things would be great yeah yeah, yeah. Um, 
Speaking of those choices, uh, this is probably a bigger episode and bigger discussion. We could do an entire send off, so we don't need to go super deep. But I, I, you, you can't bring up uh, James Earl Jones, uh, you know, so called retiring from Darth Vader, not just thinking of some of your favorite James Earl Jones as Vader memories and moments. Uh, Jen, do you have some that pop to mind? I, well, it's interesting. When I was a kid, we used to go to the uh, Disneyland's candlelight ceremony every year, which is like their holiday event. And there's a choir that sings and they're in the formation mm. of, of a Christmas tree. Um, and then they usually have a celebrity narrate the Christmas story. And I remember one year, James Earl Jones was that narrator. And the entire time I was kind of giggling because <laughs> I kept just picturing in my mind, Darth Vader trying to get me into the holiday spirit. And so it was just, it was really amazing to be able to hear him live. He sounds just as incredible um, mm -hmm. as on screen, but going back to star Wars, um, I think, as I said, the reason why Vader's lines are so iconic and why we have repeated them for decades is because of his performance. I mean, you know, mm. every line I can think of, it's, it's how he delivers it. It's its the cadence, it's the emotion yeah. behind it. Um, because like you said, Joseph, there's a lot of a lot of great vo voiceover people, you know, but he, yeah. he is an actor. He's a voiceover actor. He's not just an announcer or just a narrator. So, um, yeah, I can't even, I can't even, oh my gosh, mm. uh, you know, yeah, there's just so many to choose from, but obviously everything from Empire um, and mm -hmm. New Hope. I mean, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Legendary. And I share that feeling too here uh, of, of James Earl Jones out of Star Wars because we all have that, you know, no matter what age you are, you have the, the realization of these are performers that have a resume and you've seen them in other spots. The, the, the famous, you know, this is CNN thing. I, I do remember the first time I realized that was Darth Vader and still had, and I was probably a little older, probably should have realized he had other jobs. I think I'd seen him in Conan, you know, <laughs> Conan. but I just, uh, it was kind of like how Darth Vader's doing the news. I thought, you know, I thought you just get hired for one job in Hollywood and that's it. You just do that job the rest of your life i guess i was like 10 or 11 i don't know yeah and and sometimes you do just like you get obsessed with your first connection your most powerful yes. connection you know you want to be respectful and go like he has his massive career right but if you right. have deep star wars love and that's where you first encountered him you know that's a little bit of your reaction uh yeah. my brother and i used to talk back to the cnn thing like this is cnn and it <laughs> must be destroyed <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing. Yeah. And some of mine, I, I'm with you too. Like, again, we're doing, if we're doing a full episode on James Earl Jones and Fader, I mean, we could definitely fill it, but it is, it's the cadence, it's the choices, and it's those, those syllables, those words. Like, how many times on the playground I'd be like, General Vius, prepare your men for our surface attack. And just every C and T foreman and popping in that uh, Vader mask there. I love that kind of stuff. But the anger, <clears throat> I love when uh, a, a New Hope, when he, he kind of loses some control. He loses an empire with Luke too, but. But he's kind of upset and yelling at Leia. And yes. it, it, it is a different, you know, James Earl Jones was obviously even younger then. You get David Prowse doing the excellent acting on the set, making all the, the movements. But there's just something where it, it, it was, I always was drawn to that it wasn't the smooth, cool Vader. It was like, God, you tell me what I need to know. Right. <laughs> you are part of the Rebel Alliance. He yes. kind of loses it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I've just loved that. And, and there's part of the readings. There's part of, uh, of uh, his take, which is why you would need it, uh, re-speecher or not, or however you're going to do it. Uh, you would need, 
him to say, here's here's what I feel Vader would say to Obi-Wan in this moment in, this, in the Kenobi series. So powerful stuff. Joseph, it sounds like we had the same scenes uh, reenacting on uh, playgrounds around our lives. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think they're, I have some some favorite lines because they're the ones where they just give them a little bit of surprise, right? You're not, mm-hmm. you think you're in the rhythm of uh, the way Vader would say it and that you could almost say it uh, with him. It's like when you're singing along at a live concert and you think you know the way the song goes, <laughs> but then the singer changes it up live. You know, that's, those are the lines I gravitate towards. Like, yeah, the now his failure is complete in the, the total popping that and uh, I know we all love, uh, uh, but you are not a Jedi yet. Mm. Um, yeah. It's it's the the softness makes it more more uh, uh, powerful. <laughs> and I was thinking of that line, Jen, when you were talking about uh, Vader trying to get you into the holiday spirit. As Vajra said, you are celebrating the holidays, but you are not festive yet. <laughs> <laughs> so powerful. Uh, so a couple of favorites from the trilogy, but then I, I, the original trilogy, but then I think I, in some ways I gravitate toward how willing he always was to come back, right? He was never mm-hmm. like, enough of that Vader stuff. I'm not Vader. I'm James, right? He yeah. he always came back and he always did great delivery. Um Mm-hmm. I know some people don't like the special edition scene, but I just love how hard he goes on that added line in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, <laughs> alert my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. <laughs> it just it it sounds like arriving on your Star Destroyer is the coolest thing any human could ever do, right? Right. Uh, and then, of course, <laughs> in the the prequels, where's Padme? Is she safe? Is she all right? It's mm. it, the the emotion in all right. It's still Vader. It's still that deep, menacing tone, but it's something else. It's just one of the greatest, uh, I think, one of his greatest performances. Mm-hmm. I've come to appreciate it. I've, I've shared some of my relationship with that, where I was one of the ones in 05 going, you bring James Earl Jones back and you have him talk about Padme? Because I was an idiot. I, I was an idiot. Uh, now uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've really come to, come to um, really love that moment. And to hear, to hear Anakin as told by James Earl Jones at that moment, right? You know, it, it, it's, mm. it's Vader, yes, mm-hmm. but... It's really Anakin. It's the heart and soul of Anakin, the breaking heart and soul of Anakin. Uh, a, a lot of stuff there that I love. Yeah, no, well said on that. And uh, yeah, just even come back. Look, I'll, I was excited to hear him again, Rise of Skywalker. I just tiny little line, probably recorded in uh, his uh, the foyer of his house. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I threw over it. Uh, Matthew, Matthew Wood's got to go over it. Yeah. Timeless, timeless. And, uh, you know, we're not saying goodbye to James Earl Jones. He's still here and he still gets to talk about it. He's a great interview. I love hearing him talk about some of the stuff with uh, him being selected as the voice of Darth Vader, especially in the Empire of Dreams talk. He's just a timeless uh, character in our pop culture landscape. James mm-hmm. Jones. Uh, look, uh, there are a lot of big questions, uh, thoughts around using Reese Beecher, whether it's Luke's voice, now Vader's, and this is possibly not the last. You, you know, You don't know. Um, so what is our general view of the situation now? We, we can start and, and focus maybe just on Vader, uh, but also Luke. It's, it's, it's a bigger conversation, I understand. But uh, it's also one that's discussed a lot in Star Wars fandom and soon maybe other fandoms uh, when it hits on a bigger scale. Um, Joseph, uh, I'll have you wade into the morality <laughs> waters first. Yeah, no, I, I think that there is this great tradition uh, that Lucas talks about in interviews, right, of it's not about the technology. Every technology is a tool to help tell the story, and you got to do a good job telling the story with the technology you have. I think that's uh, maybe going to be a kind of a bullet point for both big news stories that we're discussing today. Um, but for sure, uh, 
uh, any technology that can convincingly fake a real person's speech is deeply concerning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We should be uh, concerned about it. We should be aware of it. Uh, So I think for me, uh, you know, they they were public about the re-speecher being used for Luke in Book of Boba Fett. And I think because Luke is very uh, calm and thoughtful, I think it worked great in that Book of Boba Fett episode. I know other fans disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when, when they were having, when they weren't making any announcement about Vader, you know, and it just said James Earl Jones in the voice is so powerful and so resonant in a way a, a 90-year-old man's isn't. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of thought that what re-speecher was happening and what was bugging me was not having this, mm. not having this mm-hmm. public uh, acknowledgement of it, because that's what's concerning, right? Yeah. That for me, I'm okay with this technology. Every piece of technology is a tool. Some are more dangerous than others. And what I want is clarity and transparency, because that's what a technology like this needs at absolutely all yeah. times, right? That's so this article point. coming out and saying, yes, it was used. and Perhaps most importantly, it was used with the involvement and permission of the actor, the family, the estate, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, I have concerns about the technology, but this is exactly what I need to assuage some of my concerns. And I'll, I'm going to go out and make it just an outrageous uh, request. <laughs> I think it would be great if some sort of tradition developed for acknowledging it in the credits. Yes. You know? Yeah. I, I don't have a great suggestion, you know, uh, with mm-hmm. the retro voice of, you know, James Earl Jones. I, that, that's a terrible suggestion. But yeah. something so that we know as a culture that like, oh, yep, this person's voice was used in this technology with their permission, their families, their estates. And we know it immediately when we watch the credits. So we have that clarity and transparency baked in. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Second that in a lot of ways we'll dive into it, but Jen, I want to get your thoughts here. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point about including it in the credits. They do it with archival footage. They say, you know, provided by, Mm. they thank the estates of, of people often, Mm. like there's absolutely no reason. And and I'm so glad that you brought that up about us not knowing, because I felt like I missed something. I I really didn't know. I mean, I figured it was not James Earl Jones's voice, but they had been so transparent with Luke's that I I was a little confused. Mm you know, and I think it's it's complicated because they don't want it to take out take people out of of the experience of watching the story, right? If you know right. all about the tech and whatever, I get that. But naturally, as humans, we can feel our spidey senses. We can feel that something's up. Like, <laughs> so it's not going to ruin the magic. I will say, with Luke in the book of Boba Fett, I thought it was pretty darn good. And that was in combination with the deep fake technology, Mm -hmm. right? So you have two things that already my brain is like, oh my gosh, okay, this is a little weird. But I thought it was very effective. And once I got past it within the first 30 seconds, I was able to just focus on the story. With Vader's voice in Kenobi, because you had a physical actor on set doing that, and then you have the voice, right? I it was so seamless. I totally was engrossed in, in the story the entire time. It wasn't afterwards that I was like, "Oh, yeah, wait, what's that? That, that couldn't have been him, right?" <laughs> so I do think they have to. You're so right. This this technology is so dangerous. Deep fake technology is also 
scary and dangerous and going forward, especially for for young people, like, oh my gosh, what we're asking young people to kind of navigate nowadays on understanding what is real, what is not, oof, it's it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And if we're wrestling with this as adults, like it's super important for kids. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it is. It is definitely, I think you're right there. I also worry about uh, the old folks too, who uh, can't know they're <laughs> doing a uh, fake website or a real <laughs> website. So true. And uh, don't yes. even try often, right? Don't even try. Yeah. Uh, man, you know, when those wars are, those infos are having wars, it's a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What what I um, really love about what you said there, uh, Joseph, is the, the transparency, transparency uh, because I just feel because of the bigger issues, you kind of need to be honest with that. And I don't, I'm not accusing Lucasfilm of hiding it. I know you're not either. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's a balance of, of, you know, Hey, you know, this is what we did or, Hey, just want you to enjoy it's Vader. It's definitely worked for me case by case basis. It's worked for me. The Vader one was really effective. Yes. Like, like Jen, you said, you got that can- uncanny Valley feeling going on in your ears or at mm-hmm. least logic, you know, uh, you know, our voices do change. My, my, my 20 year old radio voice was, I was like this. So it was, it was worse. So um, and now the Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters, new band coming out. Um, Mr. Bill. Yeah, it was bad. I got, I got tapes from when I was 20 on the morning show. It, it, it happened. It happened. Um, so uh, oh I, God. I knew you could tell Rogue One, it was, it was an older man. And, and, and here's the thing. People were upset, right? There was a lot of, not a lot, like it was, dominating the discourse but there was those conversations of they should have done something with vader because he sounded bad and that's not fair it wasn't fair to james or jones and it and that i had a lot of joy hearing him again even though it was mm-hmm. a little different you just accept the reality so this time around i agree with the decision it worked for me the the luke skywalker one worked for me why because mark hamill was all in on it and mm-hmm. i and i do agree there's yeah. some bigger questions that Joseph, you touched on them, but I, I, I took, I, I will say this, Joseph's having hot takes here. I have, I have a hot take. I took issue with some of even my pals who just accused Disney and Lucasfilm of being soulless over the, over the Luke Skywalker stuff. I don't think that was completely fair. Now, if they had cast an actor uh, and, and kept the actor, like some of the, the two actors that have portrayed Luke and, and Mando and Boba Fett, I bet it would have worked in some level. And I bet it would have been completely satisfied. I really, I really think I, they, they would have found the right person to do it. Much like I feel they found the right person with Alden Ehrenreich and Han. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't have had a problem with that decision. But they went this way. And they went this way with Mark Hamill directing the GD scenes. You, you, you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I think it was effective for that version of Luke. You couldn't, I don't think you could do New Hope version of Luke. Mm-hmm. He's a little more spirited, a little more uh, lively versus the somber, reflective Jedi. Luke, I think it worked. And I think it worked for Vader. This is not going to be the last time. I'm, I'm a fan of Tarkin and Rogue One for the most part. Uh, yes. uh, I, I, I do, I wish they'd kind of maybe refurbished the Leia a little bit. Uh, but it still works for me in Rogue One. And then the, the Rise of Skywalker last stuff is another conversation. And and I think they they did great stuff with what they got. But this is not going to be the last time in Star Wars. It's not going to be the last time in movies. So this is new ground. And Joseph, I think you touched on some things of, you know, you got to be out there and open with it at least. Because that, not just for Star Wars, but for what's out there and potentially out there. I've been in a room, watched Frank the old Collider job, who's a genius. Frank, Frank Lucator is a genius. He does a lot oh, of the... Yeah. the, the 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 the, the uh, deep fake stuff, which I, I don't necessarily agree with. I watched him in his studio one day. It's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Mind blowing. You can't even comprehend it. 
He's and so that's good. also what's scary about it is you can't even comprehend it when it's done. So we, we are new territory. We've got to figure it out. And Star Wars, once again, at the forefront of technology. I, and I actually think that's exciting. So, mm. yeah, me too. I think it always should be. And I think it, it's fascinating to see these two characters, right, with uh, mm. and, and their their uh, conditions in the story, right? The the Luke story where we're a little bit more aware of it uh, because it is also, as you said, uh, Jennifer, the, the deep fake actual mm. physical person and the voice. And that story is all about Luke really calmly trying to get Grogu to get in touch with the natural world, like beautiful <laughs> moments of appreciating the, the wind through the reeds, right? Nature, right. nature, nature, uh, all, you know, all this technology being used to tell that story. Yeah. And then Vader, the, you know, Kenobi wrestling with the fact that Vader is trapped in this artificial mechanical suit, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of fascinating that they get used in, in these two extreme, extremes. But the last thing I wanted to say is now that we're, especially able to talk about this there's clarity we know what it is we know that james earl jones approved it and worked on it i feel uh freed to just <laughs> enjoy and enthuse about how much i love the vader vocal performance in kenobi yeah i did not perceive anything my only distraction was well if they have magically found a secret elixir to make human voices younger uh they should tell the rest of humanity about that <laughs> otherwise let's be honest that it's respeecher because it is amazing mm. i am what you made me is one of the all-time vader lines for oh, me now God, right so i mean yeah. so many it just the 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 presence and the anger and the power of that character and the heartbreak of that character of Vader in this timeline. It was just all there. Um, I am just all in on the performance that was created by James Earl Jones and this respeecher team in Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, yeah. And my final thought on it is uh, once what was once old is new again. Remember when those Pepsi commercials or the vacuum commercials had like, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly dancing with uh, cleaning products and society right. went, what? Uh, here we are again. We've dealt with it before, we'll deal with it again. We just got to find the best way forward. So I don't know. Any final thoughts, Jen? Wow. I totally, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Right. Remember? Yes. Was oh it, my was, did, did Britney Spears in a Pepsi commercial Super Bowl? She danced with some classics or something too. I remember that. Yeah. I mean. I just yeah. remember a lot of pearls being clutched. <laughs> being clutched. It seems so silly now, right? I mean, but at least uh, if if this technology is in anyone's hands, I'm thankful that it is in Lucasfilms because I know that they're going to use it for good. They're going <laughs> to use it for art and they're going to use it to tell these incredible stories. And it's just going to get better and better and better. And I'm excited about that. I mean, I was thrilled that we got Luke in Book of Boba Fett. I love that. I was marveling at, like you said, Joseph, <laughs> all this nature. And then you have a puppet and you have this <laughs> deep fake. It's incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. So, yeah. yes, Lucasfilm is yeah. carrying the torch or, or rather starting the torch, igniting the torch. <laughs> and, I, and, and I think they've uh, along the way adjusted a little bit. There's been some the second go around with some of the Luke stuff has been a little bit more honest about the what they brought in or who they brought in. And and not that again, not that I don't felt they were deceiving us at all. I just think they've understood that, hey, we need to be a little more transparent. And even look, I, I was one of the ones who had somewhat of an issue with uh, two stunt performers literally carry like acting as Mando. And all and all of Pedro, you know, getting the headlines, which was not Pedro's fault. I, I that's my personal take, and I think they even adjusted to that. We're mm -hmm. now behind the scenes stuff. for like, hey, Latif Crowder, Brendan Wayne are just as much as part of this as Pedro, and the three of them 
work seamlessly together, not only on set, but offset on stage at panels promoting it. And it, right. and that worked for me. That wasn't an issue other people necessarily had, or even you both here in the podcast. I had a little, I was a little grumpy over it. And I think along the way they've learned, like, hey, here's a way, here's how we want to adjust this. And that, get, that gives me, or how we want to, um, you know, uh, uh, talk about it. So that, that gives me um, hope that they'll uh, continue to move forward with that as well. I think it's a great comparison, Ken. Mm-hmm. All right. The final thought about this, because I have uh, Ukrainian blood coursing through my veins, thanks <laughs> to my grandmother who passed away last year in the early 90s, my grandfather, Sarkashian, um, both uh, uh, both uh, uh, cultures uh, have been fighting the Russians for a long time in my life. I've heard, hearing those stories, I was fascinated. Did not know if it, if the information about there, I did not pay attention to it. That is my bad. The respeacher is a Ukrainian startup. No matter what you think about the morality of respeacher and using it in films, you can discuss that. It is these uh, these folks, these these creative people uh, in in Ukraine who are uh, doing this and literally carrying on as. Putin's invasion, uh, Putin's war starts. And they, Disney in the article says, they, Disney kind of said, well, maybe we'll pull back on the requests while war is happening. But a lot of the folks there uh, wanted to say, no, no, we're going to do this. We're going to persevere through adversity, show the world the strength and abilities of uh, the Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. So I don't know. I found that fascinating. Uh, it's not a choice. I, I don't know if I would be brave enough to do um but they made a point and that to me also feels a little star wars i don't know if my uh my uh, uh, uh heritage is showing here Jason, <laughs> but i was really moved by that uh no i i don't i don't think you're wrong at all i think that's what's uh powerful about this i you know i always want to have uh the deep respect that star wars is a story uh that we can enjoy and what's happening in ukraine is real life real people right now um but I think the reason that we tell stories and the reason we internalize stories is to help us with the challenges of real life. And Mm -hmm. that's what I felt uh, coming out of this. A couple of the quotes uh, from the people working on Vader's voice of of saying, let's work, let's work in the face of this adversity. Let's persevere. Um, That, that final quote at the end of the article, uh, why did I do it? It's a big honor to work with Lucasfilm, and I've been a fan of Star Wars since I was a kid. Even if it's war, there's no excuse for you to be the troublemaker of what you loved from childhood. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, there's, you know, I'm not making light of, of, of war at all, but there's almost mm. like there, this sort of cheeky attitude even in that quote of like, war's no reason to stop Star Wars from being awesome, right? Um, and I think to me what's powerful about that is, uh, in, you know, the story of the original trilogy in particular with Palpatine, the sequel is like right, this, um, this desire to use terror to control people. Mm-hmm. And I think by saying, you're not going to control me, I'm going to keep making Darth Vader's voice. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, it's denying uh, Putin the power he wants to control other people's lives. And, and that's what gets to that sort of heart of the Star Wars uh, uh, spirit when you strip away, you know, everything else. It's it's w- w- the dark side wants to control everyone and the light side wants to to allow everyone to I- explore themselves mm-hmm. and their connection to one another. Oh, yeah. Big well said for me, sir. Uh, really. Uh, yeah. Really like that there. Appreciate that. Uh, uh, um, Jen, uh, your thoughts on this as well. Yeah, I think you're so right, Joseph. I think that Star Wars can offer hope. It can offer escapism in even the most darkest 
times. And I can see how that would be like, get, be hopeful for, for, for the team, the respecer team to be able to be like, this is awful. What is going on around us? let's dive into this, this magical world. It mm. gives them, you know, a purpose. It gives them um, motivation and, and it allows them to, I'm sure, be able to focus on something other than what was, what was happening. It also shows the impact that Star Wars has had on people all around the world. Um, I loved the speech artist, how he kept talking about, you know, how, how, like you said, just that quote, it, how much of an impact it had on his childhood. Um, mm. And, you know, <laughs> there's no excuses. They they met all their deadlines and they're like, no, keep giving us notes. We're fine. We're fine. I mean, that's it's so incredible. It's so powerful. It sends a message that this Ukrainian startup pulled off practically the impossible, which is so mm -hmm. Star Wars, right? And their work is still phenomenal. And it really puts them on the map. And I hope that they will get more contracts and more work in the future because that's, I think, also why they did it to say, no, we have tremendous pride in our work. We mm. are just as, as great of a company as, as someone else. And we can, we can do this even through this adversity. And it's, mm. it's amazing. It's amazing what they did. Yeah. 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 Very well said, Jennifer. I think that is such an important part of it is like, no, we take great pride in our work. And even Matthew Woods quote, I'm paraphrasing about like, we, we could have given the rest of the contract to somebody else and it wouldn't have been quite as good, but, but you know, mm -hmm. uh, which really sets the, this company up is they, they were selected by Lucasfilm because they're the best and let's yeah. show it and let's have pride in it. That, that it to me is another, uh, you know, a form of sort of, uh, defying the trying mm -hmm. to have their lives controlled. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Look, and it's all part of the uh, sometimes, uh, I don't know, complicated gray areas of life, right? You may look at Respeacher and go, I don't know if I like what they're doing, but man, I like how they're doing it. I like who's doing it. <laughs> I think that's fair to have all those thoughts on the situation, but to focus on the people, to focus on the people uh, affected by this and the people making these decisions. Uh, very Star Wars indeed, especially during and or season, I think. <laughs> so there you go. That's our first news story of the day. So much. Man, James Earl Jones, a legend. Probably not the last time we celebrate his work here around these parts, but uh, that's our look at him today. More news on the way. Before we do, we're going to take a quick break and uh, also give you a Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have? We are still recommending Padawan by Kirsten White is a young Obi-Wan adventure, which we will be reading eventually. So if you want to be caught up with us, you can check out the audiobook. We are going to read it eventually. It's still on my <laughs> coffee table next to a stack of Star Wars comics, which I'm working my way through. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break. On the other side, more news here on Force Center. 
Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to Force Center. We're looking at the news of the galaxy, which is how the Clone Wars report started by accident. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. All right. It is Andor season, and that means uh, there's going to be continued promotion, deep dives, TV spots, a lot of things out there. And we are going to dive into a specific, a specific portion of an interview with Tony Gilroy as he clears up the volume controversy. Uh, this was in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, deep dive interview, good stuff. There's a larger conversation and we can dive in. If Joseph, Jennifer, you want to pull anything from that article and talk about it, by all means, I just was really fascinated by, I don't know, the way, the way we look at things, the way things kind of emerge onto the discourse desk and mm -hmm. the truth behind some of it. Tony Gilroy was asked about the volume, uh, specifically was not using it a prerequisite for him coming on board. So uh, before we get even to his answer, <laughs> before we get into the answer, how did a question like that come to be? And I'm not saying it's a bad question at all. I'm just saying that was a question that I think probably needed to be asked because it's not necessarily true 
but it was out there. Uh, not just I'm not talking about the whole report. I'm talking about just like out there on discords, on Twitter, on Facebook, even who knows MySpace of just like, oh, he, Tony Garoy hates the volume. <laughs> and this was probably part of his demand. So where, how did it even get to that, Joseph? I yeah, I mean, our darkness. Oh, I mean, I think I want to acknowledge I, I like that the article made it clear that this uh, interview happened August 5th. So it happened, uh, you know, a little while back. So this is even before people got a chance to see and or that this was uh, stirring and steaming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just that we are in this uh, this moment where uh, our society's natural encouragement to pit things against one another is really being encouraged right uh mm-hmm. by social mm-hmm. media by algorithms to just pit anything against one another uh even just mm-hmm. two different technologies right um and yeah. i think that that's where a question like this is going to come from right the the kind of the effort to slot people into teams like are you team real or team cgi and wow tony gilroy seems like a guy who's team real right um mm-hmm. but we've seen this sort of battle play out again and again, right? The mm-hmm. Lucas's, uh, you know, argument that it's technology and it's the, the storytelling that matters. Um, and we've seen it, you know, the cycle, right? The common mm-hmm. assumption that all of the prequels are just all CGI when, it, you know, so much of it is model work, particularly Phantom Menace, right? That yeah. that eventually becomes a large, no, it, it, there was a ton of real stuff in there. Um, the, the uh, lest we forget is it's heading into the rear view mirror, uh, when the sequels were getting started, you know, J.J. Abrams and Lucasfilm really pushing live action creatures, you know, old mm-hmm. Bubba Joe lumbering out real early on to say, don't worry if you didn't like uh, the CGI of the prequels. Look at <laughs> look at this weirdo. He's real. Yeah. You know, <laughs> real. Uh, so I think that there's a temptation to boil things down to real versus fake. But to me, mm-hmm. you know, that's always a nuanced conversation. And really, the conversation is. Whatever tool you used, if it's the volume, if it's a green screen, if it's a physical set that isn't lit well, <laughs> yeah. you know, all of it just comes down to is the the quality of the filmmaking. Did this fake thing that isn't real invoke real feelings? Did you stay in the story or did something take you out of the story? That's the real discussion. But mm-hmm. I think there's a temptation to make it team real or team fake. And I think that's where it comes from is the old battle uh, fighting a new war and people assuming Tony Gilroy is team real. Hmm. <laughs> team real. Yeah. I was going to ask you know, where we feel that started. And then I was going to ask you if it was, if I was to blame. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I've from early on, even, even at the Star Wars celebration in Chicago, uh, the old collider gig was kind of like, I don't like, a, I don't like how some of this stuff looks. Um, uh, you know, I'll 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 come clean. I just, yeah, I think Andor looks the best of all the Star Wars shows so far. I feel I feel good saying that. All right, I can, I can oh, I've confessed that. But man, I've been moved by every every other show, right? I, I've been pulled in, and I've been tricked by every other show where I was like, that definitely wasn't the volume. Oh crap, it was the volume. Or the other way around. There's some stuff in Kenobi. I was like, ah, that's on the volume. Oh, it's not. And I think it does go to what you're talking about. And, and you've said some stuff, even off air, Joseph, just uh, about the nature of competition. I'm a sports uh, person. Uh, I love competing. I love that. But I think I've watched that. And I really agree with you that that's been that's spilled over and dominated so much of our culture that it's you can only look at things like that. I I, I really uh, notice it more and more, particularly I cover, I'm covering Rings of Power and, and House of the Dragon. And the amount of people are like, well, which one's better? I'm like, neither. They're each doing their own thing. <laughs> they're not the same. Just because they both have dragons? No, they're not the same. 
they're in the same genre. Yes, but it's not the same. And why do I have to do that? And, and look, I used to produce a show called Movie Fight and it was fun. It was fun and silly. Then until it got serious, until it became how people mm-hmm. viewed um, this is how you talk about movies. And it must be war. Uh, I definitely can see it. And, and, and even getting to uh, talk and discuss more of the stuff with, with you, Joseph, um, uh, this is an example of it where I think even I felt guilty by saying some of the stuff. Eh, I don't know if I love all the volume and that that can immediately even in my own heart be because the other stuff is better and it wins this round. And that's just not the way to look at it. It really isn't. It really yeah, isn't. No, and, I mean, the, oh, Joseph, the, the, so sorry. No, I interrupted you. Please yeah. continue. Oh, no, I was, it pitch it pitch to you, sir. No. Absolutely. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I, I, you know, we've had great conversations with you about it and get to have insights because you have had more uh, sports in, in, mm-hmm. in your life. And I think that's what's great about sports is humans do have a pull to want competition. Right. And I think it's great that we have competition. It's great that there are, there are sports. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't think everything needs to be that. Like we have places <laughs> where competition is is good and healthy. Right. And we don't yeah. need to make everything that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and on that too, I think I think sports, uh, or at least not not sports, is this capital S thing, but this this competition or that the the I even talked about it once on Four Centers, like the things that it can teach you are so valuable, but mm-hmm. it's the things around it, and often the the folks just watching, which I've been doing my whole life too, play baseball, not good enough to continue. Uh, you know, uh, it turned it into something. Going even to the movie fights example, it wasn't necessarily the people on the show that turned it into a bitter, bitter fight show. Sometimes the fans got so into it that that's the only way we looked at it. I'm not pointing fingers at fans. It's just in our nature and it's so in our blood. And I think mm-hmm. recognizing that's part of it. And, and I thought a lot about that, listen, reading this interview, just like, who pitted Tony Gilroy against it? Was it just me rooting for the Yankees? I don't know. I don't know. Jen, where do you stand on Tony Gilroy, sports and Star Wars? Sports. Well, wrong person has about sports. But I will say that our brains are actually being rewired because of social media. If you're on Twitter a lot, uh, YouTube a lot, you will see that the things that are getting pushed up on your feed are the things that are the most sensational, the, the most hot takes, people taking a stand. I think this is the worst show that's ever been made, right? And then mm. and then everyone's like, oh, and then they start engaging and they start commenting and, you know, and then the people who initially said that are like, yeah, I'm getting engagement. There's like dopamine that's happening, right? And so then they want to mm-hmm. keep doing more and more and more. Then you have the whole internet culture on YouTube, that is based on these hot takes and and negativity. And that's what their whole channel is about, is basically slamming, cr- criticizing whatever it is, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, you know. And mm. so they're making money off of that. So already, and then if you go to the, the DNA of Star Wars fans, I'm, I mean, myself included, where it was like, are you team OT or are you team prequels? This was way back <laughs> in the day, right? I didn't li- I didn't really care for the prequels because I the, at, when I was younger was because I felt it was too slick looking. I liked the gritty lived in puppet world of the OT, right? <laughs> and so then that's why when JJ came out with with uh his puppets, <laughs> puppet master, it was like, yeah, I totally felt that. And it was some weird <laughs> barbaric thing inside of me. Yeah, team puppet practical effects but at the end of the day as we saw 
you know, they used visual effects. Of course they did. Yeah, BBA was uh, was, you know, a practical, but they also had to use some, you know, CGI to make him do the things that he do. And then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. All that matters is the story and and whether I believe it, mm-hmm. whether I'm not taken out of that story. So, mm-hmm. you know, real set, volume, it doesn't matter, but but it does matter to the people that are writing articles and posting videos or just wanting to get some sort of like interaction online, to be honest, mm-hmm. and getting some sort of attention. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a sad, it's, you know, God, I feel like I've been so <laughs> negative day about the, the state of the world, but, you know, uh, I have to think about these things since I have two, uh, two young mm-hmm. kids and just, yeah. you know, been reading a lot about how social media affects our brains as adults, let alone uh, the mm-hmm. younglings. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion. Uh, yeah. Yes, one that probably needs to spill outside the walls of Force Center, but great stuff in there. And I really know <laughs> you're not being negative, Jen. You, you, your perspective is tremendously valuable. It's why we're so glad to have you back here on, on the show because, uh, yeah, we're not just talking about Tony Girl. We're talking about the future, talking about kids and how uh, they interact with it. It's it's big stuff. And uh, we're I still say we're still pretty new to the social media game compared to the rest of human history. We're still mm-hmm. trying to figure out the effects. Yep. Remember at yes. one point, they're like, you feel bad? Smoke a cigarette and have a cocaine-infused soda. Go for it. Like, <laughs> you'll feel better. Like, right. you know, we learned that yeah. years ago. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. my, my new favorite uh, three-list bullet point that you said there, gritty, lived in. Puppets, effing hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that uh, you, you both mentioned Baba Joe and like, yeah, look at that gritty Baba Joe puppet <laughs> walking around. <laughs> that camel guy with a zoo on his back, gritty, lived in. That's so, my Star Wars. Let's get to some of the actual <laughs> answers here. And, and look, there's I, even in the interview, there, there was a question that I felt was like, well, naturally practical looks better. Like, I, I don't necessarily know that's always true. It, it definitely seems to be true right now, at least to our eyes. But Tony Gilroy cleared it up pretty directly, uh, saying it wasn't a controversy, really. I saw it get turned into a controversy the other day, but it's not like that at all. There are times where we'd love to use it. It does some great things. Tony Gilroy explained a little early in the article that in a perfect world, they would use both. But the uh, technology doesn't exist to do both, he says. He also talks about the workflow of the volume being more about having post-production finish, finished before shooting. And then you add the actors, whereas Andor and other traditional projects start with the actors and build out from there. What do we make of that? And that was interesting because one of the things looking at um, the volume celebrated in that Mando uh, uh, Disney Gallery season one doc, fascinating stuff. And they, they praised the... You get everything shot first on your little iPad. And then you go in and you kind of figure it out. And it maybe cuts down time, maybe makes things cheaper. And Tony Garoy, again, not fighting that. He's just saying it's kind of two different worlds, but we would love to marry it. I thought it was an interesting way to look at just that process, too. And that might be part of the change, adapting and having the creators, especially older creators, look at things in a new way. That might be one of the challenges. And anyway, a lot of stuff there. Jen, your thoughts on his explanation and answer. It makes total sense to me. I heard a, a interview with the cinema, one of the cinematographers on The Mandalorian and ex, uh, describing the volume and the process. And, and it is like for him, he's he's like, it's amazing. Like we don't have to worry about losing our light and rushing to get mm. a shot or having mm-hmm, actors mm-hmm. feel like, oh my gosh, we got to get this. We only get one take, right? Because they can yeah. control all that with the beauty of the volume. He found it to be very freeing. Um, but some, but other creators are not going to find that freeing. They're going to find that to be daunting, perhaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and Andor is less focused on starships and like these, you know, crazy visual effects. It's more focused on the relationships between these characters and creating that kind of quote unquote lived in world where actors can can interact with the set. They can pick up these props. Um, almost all the actors have talked about that, about how incredible it was to be on that set. Adria Arjona, she said that um, she was supposed to run in a scene and she was like, okay, which direction should I run to the camera guy? And he's like, what, what, whatever direction you want. I can mm. I can film you however you want to go. Just pick a direction. That's I mean you don't you can't do that on a lot of movie sets mm. uh, or TV sets. So that's pretty amazing. Um, mm. And yeah, I think that for somebody like Tony Gilroy, it's just not his thing, you know, to be dealing with these LED yeah. screens and iPads and whatever, like you're saying. And I feel like maybe for him, he would he would think it's he has less control over the situation, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, it's got it's kind of got to be done. It before you even begin, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, that's why John Favreau is John Favreau, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's he's a he's in, incredible, but so is Tony Gilroy. Just two different artists approaching their their medium differently. I I I feel that one where I I wish I had a little bit more of the the patience to uh, script everything out. I'm more of the I'll just show up and figure it out. If I fall, I fall, which is not always the best way. Right, uh, fix it in post. And fix it in post, or this or that, and, and yeah, I, I, that's an interesting angle on that too, Jen. Uh, a lot of stuff here, Joseph. A lot of stuff to look into, but yeah, you know, most importantly too. Also, his answer pretty clear. Yeah, I don't know how that got like that. It wasn't a controversy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it, I think it's pretty fascinating. And I think it's, it's great for him to make that clear. I think it's, I think it's clear in a lot of the documentaries uh, where we see the process of the volume, but it's great for Tony Gilroy to just uh, uh, make it very clear. And he talks a lot in this interview, right? About like how he has a process, he has a system and a flow and a perspective that makes sense to him. And he feels like what's worked with his work on Rogue One, what's working in his work with, uh, with Andor is that he brings that to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um and I would take that, especially with Tony Gilroy being a little bit older, <laughs> and yeah. we all get a little bit more set in our ways as we get older, to be like, mm-hmm. I know this system. I know that you hire the actors, you draw the sets, you build them, they can move around, you have this kind of fluidity, right? Um, so that make that system makes sense to him. And then I think Favreau is, is somebody who's really interested in you know, turning everything upside down and looking at new ways of doing things, right? And it is sort of flopping it all on it on its head, the normal process to go out and get all that photography, you know, and mm. basically have the entire thing blocked and planned uh, and then put the actors in it. And mm-hmm. I, I think for me, they're, they're just they're just systems. They're just when do you want to worry about which part of the problem? And regardless, either of them are going to find a moment where you have a bunch of stuff locked in that you can't change it, you're you're set you've set the boundaries and you still have to find the creativity and the spontaneity and the originality within mm-hmm. that it, neither of them changes that both add some flexibility at different parts of the process uh, mm-hmm. but that's always going to be true of the creative process of eventually you'll have had to make one decision beforehand and it will box you in <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you'll have to try to be creative within the box that's just the creative process to me mm-hmm. being creative in a box absolutely uh yes live in that right now this car and Cassian are together. <laughs> uh, I wish I had the volume for this. I wish I had the volume for this. Uh, great stuff here. And I, I really did like uh, uh, this part of the interview. And the interview had a lot more stuff in it too, including the news that uh, uh, one of the directors from Yellow Jackets is, is in Pinewood directing season two or getting ready to direct season two. Mm. Uh, gosh, I forget. Was it Ariel 
I forgot. I don't want to mistake. I I didn't write the name down. I apologize. Um, That got spun off. But anyways, I thought it was real fascinating, real fascinating. Um, And again, you you pointed out, Joseph, this this interview was done on August 5th. So before, (laughs) we're to the point where we can kind of almost predict the controversies that are coming or ones that came up after the, the trailer. So uh, anyways, Tony Gilroy, you seem like an interesting cat who is really sure of yourself and that sometimes rubs uh, me the wrong way. That's my that's my fault. I'm sorry if I hit <laughs> you accidentally at any point there. Uh, in the end, let's, hey, let's be positive. Jen, let's be positive. You've been great oh, yeah. the whole episode. Don't you worry about that. What are some <laughs> things that we love about the look of Andor and what are some of the victories of the volume on any of the past series? What do you think, oh. Jen? I love everything about Andor because it looks so authentic and like a real world, um, uh, you know, but I also love the volume because it creates fantastical worlds that look nothing like our world. Um, And with the volume, you know, I'm always fascinated by how they pull off some of those visuals because it's so much better than a blue or green screen. That's Mm -hmm. the other thing. Like, I mean, movies are still are still using blue and green screens still. Right. But with mm-hmm. the volume, you're at, as an actor, what a, what a gift to be able to see what you're acting, the environment that you're in. That's going to only make your performance better as opposed to everyone kind of having to imagine what it might look like in, in post. So I, I just think it's it's a phenomenal technology. And it's it sounds like it's great for everyone involved if, if you know what you're doing, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I but I also love Andor. Because Andor is like, I don't know, there's something kind of old school about it, which actually fits really well with with the tone of the original trilogy, right? I think that that's also mm-hmm. why it works so seamlessly. And with yeah. Rogue One, of course. So, No, I, I agree with that in terms of, of, of Andor. Uh, yeah, I, I, I said before, like uh, Rogue One and Solo are my favorite looking of the Star Wars films, even though mm. Last Jedi is gorgeous and there's wonderful stuff going on in Skywalker at a breakneck speed apparently and uh force awakens <laughs> brought so many wonderful things that just felt like that the you know jakku and the and the graveyard of of uh, the ships is just amazing so star wars but uh i really celebrate what andor's done the little details you, the, you know you, it's it's truly that lived in world that we uh feel and um even that sequence in the third episode with with the uh uh, pre-more uh, officers showing up and there's so much just uh, there's a, a wide just a I don't know depth and a big wide world that you feel in that it, it, you feel surrounded by them or at least you feel uh, you want to say the S word because you feel, you feel what's going on them. <laughs> and I do love all that but also it takes its time to uh, show us uh, uh, any beauty that is to be found there, whether it's uh, on Canary or not. Um, I, I love that there. And on the, on, on the volume side of it, same thing. Like um, I think some of the stuff with Mand, especially uh, uh, season two, uh, there's that one shot. Gosh, what is that shot? I should have written it down. It's like, it's the Bo-Katan episode, right? And it's just like mm-hmm. him looking down the ocean. And yes. Explosion in the distance. Mm-hmm. Like that's gorgeous shot. It looks so good. Uh, so there's absolutely a ton to celebrate by, by that. And that, the fact that it does make it easier. I think some of the things that I rub up against with the volume, I think will fade away over time. They'll figure out how to shoot a little better. This will get bigger. It will get cheaper. It will get all those kind of things. will make it look good. And and I think you can live in, in, in both worlds. Even House of the Dragons doing that right now. Anytime you see them on a dragon, it's it's stagecraft. Uh, it's <laughs> the volume. Uh, anytime you see them in a castle, it's a castle that they built. And <laughs> Uh, it, it works well pretty uh, pretty much most of the time there. So lots to celebrate. And again, I always say some people joke, but I, it, uh, you know, Werner Herzog, his office, I thought was, 
I thought it was a real set down the street at Disney's lot. Mm-hmm. And, and no, yeah. it was it was all fake. It was all the volume. And, you know, that should have made me just kind of look at it a little differently then. So I definitely look at it differently now. Uh, draw some of your uh, positive thoughts on these two forms. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I love them both because they are technology well deployed to tell the story that they're telling. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the important thing for me is does the technology in the creative process that the creators selected does it match the story and the tone what they're trying to make us feel so what i love about gritty lived in uh ant-man hopping in the background of the real street (laughs) uh, of andor is it makes sense for the story Uh, our heroes are you know literally in mud and grime because they're people who are attached to the real to the physical right um everything from you know canary clearly the, the, those kids living off of the land and in some way um, to all of the people on Ferrix, you know, they're, they're dealing with scrap. They're dealing with reality. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that makes a ton of sense. And I really think that there's also uh, just the storytelling, right? It, we'll see where Andor goes, but we're going to spend a decent amount of time on, on Ferrix. And I think because of that, you can have a larger set because it isn't a jump from miraculous planet to miraculous planet fantasy story. It's a story where like Rick's road, uh, that central courtyard in the, in the tower where the time grappler does his thing. It, that, that's a, character right we've already heard about like events in the past that happened there you see it early shot of b2 emo you know in the morning before it's work time rolling past there and then you see a later shot and you realize oh that's the tower where the time grappler does his thing and it's Mm. so immersive in it in that that physical set matches the storytelling of andor and i think when i just kind of made a quick list of like what volume shots do i love i realized the shots that i love in the volume are the ones that look like they're torn off the cover of a dirty 70s fantasy mm-hmm. <laughs> paperback, right? Or a pulp magazine from the 1940s because they're stories of people jumping from fantastic, bizarre planet to fantastic, bizarre planet encountering, you know, just uh, mind-boggling things from your dreams, right? Mm-hmm. The Crate Dragon episode of Mando is flawless to me. Just, yeah. Beautiful. Perfect. Uh, the Ice Spider Moon, the very next oh, episode, right? You couldn't be, uh, you know, farther away from the Crate Dragon. But here it is, another, you know, pulp vision from my dreams. Uh, the Stabby Rock Moon in Kenobi that we don't know yes, the name of. Yes, yes. Vader and Kenobi's fight, you know, I think sometimes the, the, the flaw of the volume to me is every once in a while you can sense the scale. Like it's not mm-hmm. that the literal mm-hmm. physical space is smaller. Totally overcame that in that fight with Vader and Kenobi to me. There's a sense that that rock moon goes on forever. Some of those shots of Kenobi and Vader staring each other down at the beginning are some of my favorite shots in Star Wars because they look utterly unreal and fantastic. And mm-hmm. I think the volume does a great job with mm-hmm. that kind of storytelling. I really agree with that 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 the stabby fighting planet uh, one or prime <laughs> stabby, stabby planet prime is wonderful because it, it, it's you both are, are highlighting what I love about that stuff. It is it is whatever you can imagine we will make possible here, and not that you can't do that practically, but uh, you could do it uh, with a little bit more uh, I don't know a little more fantasy infused into it, and that's some of the stuff I've loved. So. Great stuff. Uh, much more to discuss uh, on this, I'm sure. There was even, like I said, some stuff in this interview about other things. Wonderful. So if you uh, out there uh, haven't uh, taken a deeper dive in this uh, interview on The Hollywood Reporter, go for it and check it out. Before we get out of here quickly, we're going to talk about this week in Star Wars history. 
looking ahead to Star Wars past. And I got this was an interesting week. There wasn't a ton of stuff. A lot of uh, Return of the Jedi released in Sweden, which that's wonderful. But uh, that's <laughs> some uh, uh, big. So I, I dug and dug, and then I found this. This is a great one on September 29th, two thousand twelve. Can you believe ten years ago? The fifth and for a while the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars began in the U.S. on Cartoon Network Featuring Maul trying to break Kenobi The death of Satine The gathering arc Saw and Steela Guerrera Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order And of course the D-Squad Among other storylines It is now remembered as a great season of Star Wars storytelling Ten years ago Where did this all stand with you? And what is the season's legacy? Joseph, we'll start with you. You've been open uh, and honest. You you, you kind of came to Clone Wars, not that you didn't know it existed, but you took a deeper dive a little bit after this. But seeing this from the distance, any, any thoughts 10 years ago? Yeah, no, it, this is the time where it, it was uh, the, the growing whispers were echoing around me that <laughs> the show was great. You know, I had seen the film in the theater and I had some bumps against it. I love it now. But back then it was uh, challenging for me. Um, so it was right around here. I, I did not have cable, so I couldn't watch it. I would have started watching it uh, if I could. But I, people started telling me it was really great. Uh, this was around when I went to a Target and I saw a Maul and Kenobi two-pack. I was like, why does Maul have like some weird hernia truss? And like read the back of it, like Maul's alive and he's fine. What? I got to watch this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, in that time, it was the, okay, I'm so excited Star Wars is back. I got to watch this when I get an opportunity. And then when I did, when I watched it, when it was all on Netflix, um, I, I liked all of it. But season five is the one that blew me away. I struggled to find a way to convey it. In particular, in season five, the Maul fight against Pre Vizsla, when mm-hmm. it was Darth Maul fighting a bunch of Boba Fett guys, and one of them had a black lightsaber. I, I just like I, I literally like stood up and was like, why aren't why isn't everyone talking about this? Why aren't conversations wafting up from the street? This is, do people know this exists? It was, it was mind bending to me. Uh, Some of my absolute favorite star Wars is in this season. Really is really is. And uh, man, you look at it now, uh, you know, what we got with the Soka show coming, we got saw showing up the, the memories of the loss of his sister, Stila always playing on his heart and his mind. A lot of stuff there. Bo-Katan being in, uh, you know, Mando and how that connects to this season as well. Some of the earlier seasons uh, with uh, Satine. It, it's uh, there's there's the legacy of this season is still being felt and understood, I think, mm-hmm. 10 years out. And yeah, I'm with you, too. I, I, I did watch the show and I, I can't believe I wasn't more in love with it. Like I liked it. Obviously, I kept watching it. I kept telling friends. Oh, it's good. I was I was one of the shadows growing around you, I guess, even though I didn't know you yet. <laughs> Um, but I, I don't know. It just, I, I admit to overlooking the show a little bit because eh, the Star Wars is done and now they're still doing this thing on Cartoon Network, even though it's wonderful. Um, that all changed with inside a month here when the sale happens and now there's new renewed focus. But, um, I love looking back. It's a, it's a crazy, wonderful season. Jen, uh, your relationship to season five before we get out of here. I mean, it's amazing to think about how much the impact has continued on these Star Wars stories mm-hmm. that we're getting right now. I mean, if the first time you saw Saw Gerrera was in Rogue One, you know, that's fine. Uh, but the great thing about the Clone Wars is that it it always will enrich in your experience when you watch these new things, right? Mm-hmm. When you watch the upcoming Ahsoka show or we see Saw eventually in Andor, it's just going to, it's going to, you don't have to watch it to enjoy mm-hmm. new Star Wars, but it definitely makes it much more deeper. It's a deeper experience and it stands alone 
Um, and it's fantastic. And I remember at the time, for me, uh, a lot of the people that I that I knew online on Twitter, they were talking about it. And it it was like our event TV because at that point, I mean, there there wasn't really anything else. And I remember people would live tweet the episodes. Mm, um, mm, there was a mm. lot of discussion amongst the fans and a lot of passion. And the community felt very so much smaller back then, obviously. And there there wasn't a lot of like hate or anger. I mean, you know, people were always a little grumpy about something, but it definitely was just more positive. It's a very um, magical time that I look back on. <laughs> uh, but the clone, it was because this, it was the spirit of the Clone Wars and the people that gravitated towards that show just loved it and just celebrated it. And that was really, really neat. Yeah. Well said. No, absolutely. Yeah. Those early days uh, of, of Twitter. And even then it was a few years into Twitter, right? <laughs> a few mm-hmm. years in and you're, you're still just tweeting your thoughts on your dinner. And maybe yeah. a little Star Wars show, which, you know, I'll say Twitter has been used for much more powerful things that I stand behind and, and also some destructive things we've got to deal with. But it's all there. Yeah. But the Clone Wars 10 years ago, crazy to think if you were 10 uh, starting the fifth, fifth season, you're, you're, you're 20 or maybe you're 25 now and you've got your own Star Wars YouTube show or your own Star Wars podcast. <laughs> and this was very much your Star Wars. That's part of the legacy as well. All right, we are uh, done today. We've looked at the news. We have taken a look into Star Wars past. Uh, let's get on out of here. We are the Force Center Podcast. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Do we have a live uh, Q&A coming up here soon, next uh, week or so. We'll get you the information shortly, but subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss it. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. You can find us on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you can uh, get us uh, a Power of the Light Side segment uh, suggestion questions or into our discord uh for me you know we always like to highlight things of uh, importance to us social issues or things going on in the world we mentioned up top uh, i'm still um every day I, I wake up and i check the news updates on what's going on in ukraine it's very close to my heart and my family's history and it's uh you know scary stuff going on in the world uh, and this is one of the things that i i dig into so one of the sources of news for me is the kiev independent and they have an ongoing gofundme that you can go to gofundme.com slash f slash kiev independent dash launch or just search for it oh, go on gofundme and help support uh, them getting the actual news and information out that's very uh, very important especially as you see now uh, protests uh, in uh, inside russia uh, maybe uh, it's important mm. to get that news on out. So that's uh, one of the things I'll choose to support as well. Jen, uh, what about you? Where can they find you and uh, anything on your mind? Mm-hmm. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at Jennifer Landa, TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. I'm starting to post some more and or related videos, so be sure to check those out. Um, and on my mind, oh, there's a lot that's been happening in the world. Um, so last week, Hurricane Fiona slammed into southwestern Puerto Rico, wiping out the power grid, um, cutting off clean water to most of the island's residents. So you know, people are still without power and don't have water. It's a really dire situation. Um, but there are some organizations trying to help. So this week I am spotlighting Taler Salud, which is a nonprofit that is deeply rooted, locally led organization that is organizing disaster relief and mutual aid. Um, you can visit their website. You can donate uh, funds to them via PayPal at uh, T-A-L-L-E-R-S-A-U-L-D, TalerSalud.com. Love it. 
love it. I mean, I don't love what's happening, but I love that the, there's people out there uh, willing to support and uh, you can be part of this as well. Joseph, take us home. Where can they find you? Uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, you can uh, find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And uh, I've been asking people to uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel and watch some videos. And Four Center listeners have been doing that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, I am posting some old episodes of my podcast, Obsessed. So if you're the kind of person who likes to listen to podcasts on YouTube, there'll be more of that coming as well as some new uh, content, hashtag content, (laughs) some (laughs) jokes and some storytelling I'm working on that will be up on YouTube uh, relatively soon. So uh, thank you all for that. For the thing that I would like to highlight, I continue to want to highlight uh, Vote Forward. I think there are so many different challenges. Voting is not the only thing that we can do, but it is such an important thing to do. And I think this is a very, very important election to keep having forward movement on on attempts at solutions to many different problems. So if you would like to help uh, increase voter turnout, a way that uh, you can do that is by writing letters for Vote Forward. You encourage other people to use their power and vote. If you want more information, it is at their website, votefwd.org. Wonderful stuff. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate your support. That's it for now. For Center, we've looked at the news. We'll see you next time here on Four Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 